All right, Revelation chapter 3, and beginning with verse number 1. Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. And again, this is not the way I've started the other lessons. We've always started in Revelation 1, but we're going to bypass that tonight and go directly to the letter to the church at Sardis. And... Um, because I saw, I saw us in part of this last week. Now, let me just say this. If you are familiar with the seven churches, does anyone know which church is addressed after Sardis? Somebody said it. Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the church to which God said, I'm giving you an open door. And as I was preparing today, the thought hit me, if we can get past Sardis, the next step is Philadelphia. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I want us to really focus on getting past Sardis. Now, I've got a lot of ground to cover tonight. And I really want to finish this so we can get on to Philadelphia. Uh, but we'll see what happens tonight. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If, therefore, thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief that thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father, and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our voices, lift our hands. Let's ask God to speak to us tonight. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you, Lord, to hear my cry to as I stand behind this sacred desk, God, I do it, Lord, in the sense, oh God, of the heaviness that rests upon us. God, of the awesome responsibility that I bear tonight. God, to help to perfect the saints of God. Would you direct my thoughts? Would you anoint my lips? you speak, oh God, Lord, through this time tonight, and speak to the hearts of your people, 
shape us and mold us and make us into what you want us to be. Lord God, we ask you for your help tonight and we thank you now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's praise him together, everyone right now. Let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Now, again, I'm not going to do a complete and thorough review. I'm going to try to save some time. I would say this, that if you missed last week's lesson, I don't know if it's on the website yet. Uh, last Tuesday night's is on the website. So you can go to the website and listen there if you missed it. If you're a part of this church, I feel like it's crucial that you hear last Tuesday night's lesson because I feel like God spoke in a very direct way. I'm not going to go back through all of that tonight, though I could very easily with what I'm feeling on my heart, but I'm not going to do that. We're going to try to progress tonight and make a little bit more um, distance as we go through this letter written to the church that was in the city of Sardis. Now, <clears throat> the only review I really want to do, and it's because it's important to what we're going to say as we pick up in the lesson tonight, is I want to just again remind you of the history of this city and how that this city, though once very powerful, once very wealthy, uh, it fell on more than one occasion to the hands of the enemy. And each time it fell, it was for the exact same reason. That reason was that they failed to watch. They felt confident that they were safe because the majority of the city, the entire city sat on a plateau, but three sides of that plateau just could not be scaled by mankind. There was no way to get up to the city. But there was one side. It was difficult to scale, but it could be done if you knew where you were going. But because Sardis thought that nobody would ever figure out the path. They simply didn't put up a guard at all. And so on more than one occasion, now there might be, uh, there, there might be uh, many, many decades, perhaps centuries that pass between the times when this happened. Uh, but, but somehow, they failed to remember that the thing that cost them the last time was they just weren't watching. They were not providing that military guard in their one vulnerable area. And that failure to watch cost them their liberty. 
Amen. They became, they became servants to other nations all because they wouldn't watch. And so as we start reading through this letter, you see how that Jesus is warning the church at Sardis. Really, when he says to them, watch, or he says, be watchful, it is a reminder of their political and military history. But he's saying to the church, you've got the same problem. You've allowed that same weakness into the church. Just like the city has always been, you've grown overly confident that everything's okay and you are not watching in those areas where you should be. Hallelujah. And so this was crucial. In fact, this, this letter becomes a bit of an anomaly. Because up until this point, every church that the Lord has addressed, he always started with some commendation, some words of praise. There's something the church was doing right, and the Lord would commend them for what they were doing. But when it came to Sardis, he didn't start that way. This is the first time in these letters that he opens it, he opens it with a word of correction. In fact, he opens it uh, by saying, I know your works, you've got a name that you live, and really, you're dead. So it, it's not just a word of correction. I mean, he dropped the hammer on them. He, he evermore let them have it. Uh, just right out of the box, the Lord gave them a good swift kick. And said, all right, guys, I'm going to tell you the facts. I know what you think of yourself. But I want to tell you, and if you'll remember, he said, I'm the one that has the seven spirits of God. And we showed you how that meant that he had the perfect mind of God. He was the perfect one. And he said, I'm the only one qualified to judge what's a good church and what's not a good church. I'm the only one qualified to determine what is real perfection. Uh, I, I, and I, I don't want to get sidetracked, but listen, this is, this is why and I said this either last week or the week before, but this is one of the reasons why the apostle Paul said that comparing ourselves among ourselves is not wise because the standard whereby we judge others is not the perfect standard. And, and I'm telling you, I've seen people do this, whether it's with churches or even marriages. I've had people come into my office and say, I wish, I wish my uh, husband and I or my wife and I had a marriage like they have and call the name of some couple. And they don't know how many hours I've spent counseling that couple. All they see is the smile on the pew during the church service. And they think that's a perfect marriage. And I'm thinking you don't want a marriage like that couple. I don't say that, but that's what I'm thinking. That's what Jesus is saying to Sardis. He's saying, you look at yourselves and you think we're perfect. 
People do the same thing again with churches. There are times saints get, you know, they, they, they get a little uh, dissatisfied and, and uh, uh, their feet get a little itchy and they start looking around. They say, you know what, well, I'm, I'm tired. I've had them say this. I'm tired of all the drama in the church. So where are you going to find a church that doesn't have any? As long as there are human beings in that church, there's going to be drama, if that's what you want to call it. There's going to be problems as long as there are humans there. And furthermore, the ones who usually would tell me, we don't want any of this drama, usually were creating most of the drama. And so changing churches was not going to remove them from drama. They were going to take it with them. And if the church, by some strange miracle, didn't have drama before they got there, I can promise you it didn't take long after their arrival. I can promise you there was drama after they got there. So I'm just saying we look around and we think we see perfection and we think that we want to be like this one or that one or we want our church to be like that church. And I'm just telling you, that's not the standard. Jesus is the standard. What he described for us in the book of Acts is the standard for our church. And what we need to do is not look at this assembly or that assembly. We need to get our noses into the book and say, all right, God, how are we lining up to what was in the book of Acts? And if we're not lining up to what was there, we got some work to do. We got some things to fix. We got some areas to work on. Sardis felt comfortable. They felt like they didn't have to do anything. And um, so they didn't watch. And as a result, they were taken captive. And we talked about last week the things that Cyrus did to make sure they never again rose to power or prominence. And uh, he made sure that nobody there knew how to fight. And when a city, a nation, or a church loses the knowledge and or the will to fight, they've lost. They've surrendered. They're waving the white flag because the devil is relentless. You hear me, from now until we are called out of this world, there will never be a time when the devil's gonna stop fighting us. Never. Not as a church and not as individuals. You might as well make up your mind. We signed on for battle. I've, I've known of a few folks that enlisted in the armed services and then they get taken to some country and there's, there's gunfire and there's, there's all kinds of danger and all of a sudden they're thinking, this is not what I signed up for. Well, I'm sorry, but that's exactly what you signed up for. 
No, no, no. I just want to, I just want to spend my time and do my tour of duty and then go get my college degree and let the government pay for it. But that's not what you signed up for. Those are benefits they may offer. But when you sign up, you sign up to be a soldier. You sign up to fight. Whether you understand it or you don't, that's why you're there. They're not offering to pay for your education just because they like you. They're offering to pay for it as a result of the fact that you're willing to lay your life on the line if necessary to defend this country. And I'm telling you, when you came to an altar and you gave your life to God, you may not have known it at the moment, but my friend, you signed up for the Lord's army. And from that day forward, it's going to be a battle. Just make up your mind. I don't know why the devil's always fighting me. I don't know why the devil. Why wouldn't he fight you? Why would the devil just leave you alone? I'm going to tell you, if he leaves you alone, you really ought to worry. Because if he's not fighting you, it's because you're on his side. As long as you make up your mind that I'm in the Lord's army, the devil's got a target on your forehead. He is going to do whatever he can to discourage you, to distract you, to divide you. He's going to do whatever he can. So I'm saying to the church tonight, we just got to make up our minds. This is a battle. It's going to be a battle until the Lord calls us home. There's not a rest. There's not a time that we can look back. There's not a service where we can sit idle. We come in here. It's time to fight. It's time to gain as much ground as we can gain. It's time to do everything, amen, against the forces of hell that we can do we gotta pull down every stronghold we can hallelujah we have to be watchful we have to be watchful now I I addressed this last week I explained to you that this word watch means to be vigilant, to be awake. And I told you that one commentator said that it is uh, perhaps a military metaphor derived from the duty of those who are stationed as sentinels to guard a camp or to observe the motions of an enemy. That's what's behind this word, watch. It's not just look around. It's keep an eye out. Be on guard. Don't let the enemy advance. Hallelujah. That's one reason why I'm excited about presenting these changes to you. I think that you're going to understand a little better even some of the things that I'm saying tonight because I'm telling you our job when we come to church is to advance the purpose of God. I know we've got needs. I know we come to church for the Lord to help us, to strengthen us. But I'm just going to tell you that's part of the benefit package. 
That's part of the benefit package. But the real purpose that we come to church is so that we might further the work of God. When we are here, it's not about us. And I promise you, if we'll get involved in this battle and we'll do what we can do to fight the devil, I promise you tonight, I give you my word. I'm telling you that if you'll do it, you're going to start looking around and watching God fight your battles. If you'll fight his, he'll fight yours. Oh, help me tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. This is the problem, Brother Hilton. We want to spend our time fighting our battles. But when we do, amen, then the work of God is left undone. But David learned this a long time ago. Amen. He made up his mind. If it's about God, I'm going to fight. If it's about God's kingdom, I'm going to fight. If it's about God's people, I'm going to fight. Let them say what they want to about me. Let them do what they will against me. But if it's about God, I'm going to fight and I'll let God decide if I need to be defended or not oh I feel the Holy Ghost that really was his modus operandi he really was even as a young boy he steps out there where the rest of the soldiers trained soldiers are in hiding and David says is there not a cause? You know what stirred David up? It wasn't the mockery that Goliath made against David. It was the fact that Goliath was defying the armies, read it for yourself, of the living God. When David heard Goliath defying God's people David said somebody needs to get a backbone and do some fighting and he was just a teenager by most accounts most commentators believe he was only about 16 years old at the time that that happened I'm talking to some young people tonight hallelujah I'm telling you don't sit there and think well when I become adult then I'll start learning how to pray then I'll learn how to intercede then I'll do something for God no 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 I'm telling you David was forever marked and was forever known by a battle he fought when he was a teenager Oh, God, raise up some teenagers in the truth church. Raise up some young men and young women whose lives will forever be marked by battles they fought while they were still young. Lord, help me. I, I hadn't got to my notes yet. Hallelujah. Praise God. David, if it was about the kingdom of God, if it was about the Lord himself or the Lord's people, David didn't think twice. David didn't care what anybody else thought. Even the king tried to discourage David. He said, Goliath has been a warrior from his youth, and you're nothing but a youth. 
In other words, he's been fighting longer than you've been alive. Not to mention the fact he's probably twice your size at least. But his skill. And Saul said, here, I'll tell you what, I'll help you out. And David said, wait a minute, I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't put any of this to the test. But I, I do know what I have put to the test. You say it was a slingshot. No, no, no. No, no, no. He said to Goliath, you come to me with a sword, with a spear. But I come to you, not with a slingshot. I come to you with something I have tried. Something I know works. I come to you in the name of the Lord. It wasn't David's skill that brought Goliath down. It was the name of the Lord that brought Goliath down. David didn't have the training to fight Goliath on his own. And in fact, let me just, Lord, I'm so far off my notes. But look, look, I know we're familiar with the story of David and Goliath, but I want you to think about something for a minute. David is facing Goliath and he uses that slingshot and he throws that stone. He slings that stone. Goliath's standing there and the stone hits him in the forehead. Which way would Goliath fall? That stone would knock him backwards, but read the account in the Bible. He fell on his face. Now, I'm just telling you, it wasn't the stone that brought him down. It was the name of the Lord. It was the name of the Lord that brought him down. <laughs> David did what he could, but God was standing behind Goliath. And Goliath may have been bigger than David, but God was bigger than Goliath. And when David did what he could do, God just gave Goliath a big kick and knocked him over. And that gave David the advantage. He ran up there and grabbed Goliath's sword and cut his head off. Now, David's mentality was, if it involves God and his people, in his kingdom, I'm going to fight. But then we see years later, David's king. And a man comes out and starts cursing David. Throwing stones at David. And David's mighty men are standing there. And they said, you give us the word. And we will go take him down. And you know what David said? Leave him alone. God may know that I need this cursing right now. Well, that's a perspective we don't normally have. Somebody cusses us. We don't usually just say, well, maybe I needed that today. No, no, no. We, 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 we learn all the Pentecostal cuss words to give them back. It's the truth anyhow. But David said, let God take care of it. See, this was the deal 
that David made with God. God, I'll defend your name and I'll let you decide when to defend mine. That's why I said a while ago, if you'll come to church, you may have problems, you may have situations, but if you'll come to church with the mindset that tonight I'm fighting God's battles, you may go home and find your battle has been fought and you didn't have to lift a hand. God took care of it for you. Oh, I wish somebody would get a hold of what I'm saying tonight. Hallelujah. We've got to come to church with a mindset. This is about the kingdom. This is about the kingdom. It's not about me. It's not about how I feel. It's not about what I think. It's not about what somebody said to me. It's not about how somebody treated me. It's not about whether somebody ignored me. It's about the kingdom of God. Well, some saint treated me bad with somebody. Well, I wonder what would happen if we'd get the attitude of David. Maybe I needed that. Maybe I was getting a little too high and mighty. Maybe the Lord knew I needed to be brought down a notch or two. I'll just take it. I'll just accept it. Doesn't mean we got to like it. But if we get the attitude that if I don't deserve this, as long as I'm busy fighting God's battles, God will take care of them. And if I do deserve it, then God help me to find an altar and whatever it is that's in my heart, get it out of me so I don't deserve it anymore. Oh, I'm preaching tonight. See, sometimes God lets attacks come at us to show us where our weakness is. He allows things to come our way and affect us so that we can see where there is a chink in our armor. Lord, help me. I've got to get to my notes. but I um, recently read a book, and I won't give the name of it because, well, I just won't. But anyhow, if you really want to know, you can come talk to me, and I might tell you. But I'm not going to give it free advertisement tonight. But the whole premise of the author was this. What if, what if, what if God instituted marriage not to make us happy, but to make us holy? What if God decided that men and women need to be together because men and women think so differently and God knew that these major differences would be a source of frustration to us. And what God really wants out of this is that we pray our way and talk our way through it.
you know, and, and of course, as I read the book, I made many, many comparisons to churches because I've seen it happen in churches. I just can't get along with so-and-so. I just can't, I can't go to church with that individual. I just can't. What if God put that individual here to drive you to your knees? And if you leave to try to avoid that individual and God's really trying to work on you, God's going to bring another one just like them. Well, this is going over really big. You're not shouting about this quite as much. But, but look, I'm trying to make a point here. I'm telling you tonight, I'm saying to you tonight that somehow we've got to make up our mind this is a battleground. And when we come in here, it's not about us. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, don't care, I don't care how they try to paint them. I'm thankful for our founding fathers. Those men, it was a ragtag bunch that didn't have hardly anything. That's right. I know some of them had some character flaws, whatever. But there was something about them that they would live in, in the worst conditions, have nothing, sometimes trudging through the snow barefoot. Going for days and maybe weeks without even eating. But a resolve that we're not going to be slaves to another nation. Now, I don't want to get into the politics, but I'm just saying there was something in their mindset that said it's not about me. There's a bigger cause here. And somehow we've got to get that revelation about the church. It's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge because people have been raised for generations now to think it's all about me. It's about my feelings. It's about whether or not I'm happy. They're raised to believe if you're not happy, you shouldn't have to deal with that. And I'm here to tell you, God doesn't always want us to be happy but he does always want us to be holy. And sometimes the only thing that can keep us holy is when we get unhappy because that's supposed to drive us to our knees. Well, hallelujah. So I'm, I'm saying, church, tonight, let's get a fresh revelation tonight. This is a battlefield. This is not a playground. This is not a social club. This is not the Elks Club. It's not um, the what? The Rotary Club. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not any of that. It's not any of that. That's not what the church is. This is not, help me Jesus. This is not a place just for us to get contacts to sell
whatever it may be we're trying to sell. I'm trying not because I don't know if anybody's selling anything, so I'm just trying. But, but look, th- this is, this, my pastor put this in me. He, he was an insurance salesman when God saved him. And he said people in his office would say, man, you're going to that big church. They had probably three or 400 people in their church. He said, you're going to that big church. You ought to make a bunch of sales there. And he said, no, I don't go to church to sell insurance. That's not my clientele. Those are my brothers and sisters. I'm not there to make money off of them. I'm there to help them and let them help me. All right, all right, I'm, I'm hitting a few bumps here. But I'm just saying, look, we gotta understand the church is a place to do battle spiritually. And it doesn't matter how we feel, there are spiritual bullets flying. Every time we walk in this service, there are bullets flying. They're coming from one side or the other and you better make up your mind which side you're gonna be on. You better make up your mind which side you're gonna help fight. This is not the place for indecision. This is not the place for riding the fence. You gotta decide when you walk in the door, I'm on the Lord's side. And if that means I gotta push myself through my physical exhaustion, through my frustration, through my tears, through my pain, whatever I've gotta do, there's a battle going on. And I can't come and just sit on this pew. Try going to an active battlefield and just sit down there and see how long you last. I don't want to do it, Brother Nelson. I'm telling you, my dad didn't talk much. He fought in Korea. Uh, he fought. Uh, I'm trying to think. He, he was involved a little bit in another battle as well. But um, he didn't talk much about any of that. But when he did open up and tell stories of things he saw, I thought, dear God, I don't ever want to see that. I don't ever want to go through that. I don't ever want to deal with that. And I'm going to tell you this. There wasn't anybody just sitting out on the battlefield saying, well, I'm too tired to fight. You guys carry on. You go ahead and fight. I've had a rough day today. Hello. I'm just not feeling too good today. Well, you know, one of the other guys in the barracks called me a bad name. So I'm going to sit here on the battlefield and pout about it. That sounds silly, doesn't it? But that's what we do. Not everybody. But that's what some folks do when they come to church. They're going to sit here and dwell on this hurt my feelings and that upset me and this made me mad and that bothered me and I've had a bad day. And, and Try that on the battlefield and see how long you last. It's not going to be long, I promise you. It's not going to be long. You're going to have to make up your mind. I'm going to help one side or the other win. And do you understand that if you decide as a soldier 
that I'm upset at somebody in the barracks or they upset me or I had a bad day or I just don't feel like fighting today so I'm just going to go sit down here and let you guys fight today. I'm not going to, I'm just, I don't feel up to it. Do you know what that accomplished? It helped the enemy. Their lack of involvement helped the enemy. That's one, last, one less person shooting at the enemy. And you're going to end up getting shot, and that's one more notch they're going to put on their belt. They advance their cause by one more individual. Look, when you're out there fighting and bullets are whizzing by your head, you don't stop and think, am I worthy to be out here? You just fight. I'm saying, saints of God, get that garbage out of your head that the devil has put there that says, I'm not worthy to worship. I, I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not worthy to get involved. I shouldn't run the aisles. Someone's going to think bad of me if I, why don't you get that garbage out of your head? This is not about who's worthy. It's about winning a battle. And the only way we're going to win, the weapons we use are not bombs and guns. But worship is the way that the battle is won. And when you don't worship, you're helping the enemy. You're sitting on his side. You're helping to advance his cause. Worthy or unworthy, righteous or unrighteous, you got to make up your mind when you walk in this place. I'm on one side or the other. I may not be everything I want to be, but I do believe in the cause. I do believe in what's going on around here. And I've never yet seen an army turn somebody away that wanted to pick up a weapon and say, let me help you fight. I'm telling you, in the midst of the battle, some townsperson come over and say, look, guys, I'm on your side. I may not be from your country, but I'm on your side. I may not look like you. I may not speak your language, but I believe in what you're doing. Just let me have one of those guns. Here you go. Help us out. We need help. And I'm saying the true church is calling upon everybody tonight. We got to make up our mind. We're here to fight. We are here to win a war. Look, when you're out there fighting, you don't care whether you look pretty or not. You don't care if every hair's in place. You don't care if your tie is straight. Hang on, guys, don't shoot. Oh, oh no, 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 put, 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 put your gun down. I, I got it, I got it. Now we laugh, but again, there's way too much of that attitude in the church. What am I going to look like? If I really turn loose, what am I going to look like? Who cares? What we care about is we got to win this war. 
We came to church tonight fighting a battle. And if your hair's out of place and your tie's crooked, and you go trying to make a corner and don't quite make it and slide and rip your knee, uh, the knee of your pants. Nobody's gonna care about that. What we care about is somebody is helping us fight tonight. I'm not in this alone. I've got brothers and sisters that care about what's going on. I'm telling you, every lap you make, Brother Larson, every lap you made tonight, I'm telling you, it's an encouragement to me. It's an encouragement to me. Jerome, keep jumping, my friend, because it says to me, I'm not fighting alone. I'm not doing this by myself. I know we can't all run. I know we can't all jump, but we can all do something. We can all get involved somehow. We can all participate in some way, but we gotta let our brothers and sisters know I'm fighting with you. I'm there. You can count on me. Woo! Oh yeah, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there. We gotta get this understanding. There's a battle going on tonight. I don't want the saints of God going home wounded. I don't want the saints of God going home bruised. I don't want the saints of God going home shot up. I want the devil to go home shot up tonight. some nights uh, that you've walked out of here smiling devil but not tonight not tonight devil no no we're gonna walk out of here with our heads held high we gave it our best we fought with everything that's in us we went to war tonight in the spirit Hatabo shaya katalaba. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Ma, 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the things Bishop Lambeth talked about the other night, and we'll, 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 we'll explain all of this later, but, but one of the things he talked about was zones within the church, within the sanctuary, certain zones. And I, I started thinking, you know, I know there are places when wars have gone on, places that have been declared demilitarized zones. That means no fighting here. These people are neutral. We're not going to. But I'm going to tell you, there's no such thing as a demilitarized zone when it comes to the church and the forces of hell. There is no neutral ground. It's one side or the other. That's all there is to it. Hallelujah. Praise God. But as we make up our minds, I'm telling you, God fights with us. David decided he's going to fight to defend God's name and God's people. But as I've already pointed out, David didn't do it by himself. When David made up his mind, that's going to be my method of operation. God said, I'm going to honor it. And God stepped in and Push the enemy out of the way. Now, I want to tell you, I, I, I told this story some time back, and I wish that I could remember the details. I'm going to have to contact, I'm not even sure which missionary it was. I think I know, and I'm going to have to reach out to him and see if I can get the story straight. But many, many, many years ago, I heard a missionary talking about, uh, I, I think it was he himself that this happened to, but it may have been someone else 
in the service describing it. So that's why I've got to get the details. But, but the way the story was told was that God opened the eyes of a man in that service. And that man said the church had like a ledge, kind of like what we've got here with the, with the lighting here, the indirect lighting. But there was a ledge around the building. It was a packed crowd, many, many hundreds, perhaps thousands of people in that service. And there was a ledge that went around the sanctuary of that building. And he said, God, open the eyes of this man. And he saw, and there were demons sitting on sitting on those ledges just lined up all around the sanctuary demons that were just there ready to pounce but he said I watched something happen he said each time that a saint of God would really cry out from the depth of their heart hallelujah and they really meant it he said I watched as a demon would fall from his ledge and fall to the ground God amen had taken the power away from that demon amen and he said, I watched it as that congregation got into that spirit of worship. And as they began to lift their praises to God, one by one, those demons started falling. I'm telling you, church, that's what's got to happen. We just got to make up our mind when we come to church. Every demon that may be sitting in this building, we're going to drive them out of here before we leave. We're going to get them out of here before we're done. We're going to lift our praises to God and we're going to make sure that God's side wins in this battle. Oh, let's give God some praise right now. From the depth of our heart, let's give God some praise. Oh, Jesus. Come on, church. Come on, we're getting through Sardis. We're pressing our way past Sardis. We're on our way to Philadelphia. Satan, your kingdom's coming down. Those loved ones we've been praying for, they're going to come. They're going to come. I'm telling you, God is going to honor the promises he made to us. God's going to stand behind every word that was uttered. Amen. God is going to honor it as we fight for him, as we fight for his kingdom, as we fight for his name. Jesus. Oh, my lord my lord my lord my lord 
Oh, Jesus. I'm telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight. If we can bring this same kind of spirit and attitude back with us on Thursday night, if we'll bring it back on Sunday morning, bring it back on Sunday night. God is about to usher in the greatest revival we have ever imagined. If we'll get busy fighting his battle, he's gonna step in and fight ours. Woo! I'm telling you tonight even as we have stood here worshiping the spirit of the Lord has gone from this place and touched the hearts of backsliders and sinners and they're wondering what is this all about what am I feeling right now you hear this preacher God's doing something in some hearts right now because of the level of worship we're offering to him because we've made up our mind we're laying aside our problems we're forgetting about our issues and we're going to do battle for the Lord God's out there fighting for us Oh, Jesus. Yes, yes, Jesus. We're here to fight, Lord. I can't read no more. Flow, Holy Ghost. Flow, Holy Ghost. of this assembly down the streets of this city all across this metropolitan area Holy Ghost reign
Jesus. Yeah. Brother Nelson just confirmed something I was feeling. I felt it a few minutes ago. I didn't say it. He came up and told me, he said, there are those that right now are opening the books that I gave them on Sunday night. God's going to open their eyes to the truth. Savior. Hallelujah. 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 I believe we're going to marvel at what God accomplishes just by us changing our mindset concerning what church really is. We come here to do battle. We come here to fight the enemy. Hallelujah. Now I know we all have our personal battles and our personal struggles, but that's the beauty of coming to church because while we're here, we're fighting together. You're not having to do it alone. You're not having to fight it alone. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you get in and you start helping to fight God's battles here, I'm telling you, those battles out there that you face that you're struggling with oh I feel this tonight sometimes you feel so overwhelmed you don't even know if you're going to be able to withstand the thoughts that are plaguing your mind the things that are gripping your heart but I'm telling you if you'll come in and fight God's battle you're going to find a source of strength in your personal battles that you never imagined because God's going to be standing behind your giants kicking them down God's going to give you victory
Oh, hallelujah. As long as we are all fighting together. I want to tell you, it's an amazing thing. Again, I haven't been, I, I haven't personally been in the armed services. My dad, my dad served before I was born and then was called back into active duty when I was probably three or four years old. And he has enough stories to give me a little bit, had enough stories, I should say, to give me a little bit of understanding about how all these things work. And I'm just going to tell you, you want to see a bond between some men, those that have fought in the same battle. There's a bond that is more permanent than blood can forge. They call themselves a band of brothers. It's not just he's in the same branch I'm in or the same platoon or whatever. I'm telling you, when they've fought together, when they've dodged bullets together, when they've had to aim and fire on the enemy together, in those moments, there's a bond that is forged that time cannot erase. And I'm telling you, church, as we come together and fight these battles during service, God is forging a bond. Those that are involved, those that will let themselves become a part, God's forging a bond that nothing is going to be able to break. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I didn't get very far in my notes tonight, but I don't apologize. I don't apologize because I can tell you nothing that I've said tonight was planned by me. But God had a word for us. God's doing something here, saints. God's doing something in this church. He is doing something in our lives. We're not going back to the way things were. We're not going back to the way it used to be. Well, hallelujah. There are victories on the horizon. I'm telling you are going to boggle your mind. I'm just telling you, there are going to be nights that we're going to walk away from here saying what they said when the man was let down to the roof in Mark chapter 2. They said, we've never seen it on this fashion. And I'm just telling you what I feel right now, Brother Jaheem. There are some services in our future that we're going to walk out of here and say, 
I've never seen it on this fashion. Now that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot for a few of us that have been around Pentecost a long time. And uh, I'm just two months shy of having had the Holy Ghost for 50 years. I've seen some things. I grew up in a church that was filled with miracles. I saw a lot of things. But I'm just telling you, I believe, Brother Goff, there is a certainty in my spirit that the day is coming that we're going to walk out of here. And even I, with everything I've seen, I'm going to walk out of here and say, I never saw it on this fashion. Anybody else believe that? Why don't we thank God for it right now? Oh, Jesus. Lord, plant this deep in our hearts. Don't let us forget, God. Remind us, God. Remind us every time we come to your house. And let us put our shoulder to the plow. Let us get involved in this labor. And let us walk out of here with the victory. Service after service. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. I got a text from a backslider I hadn't heard from in months. Well, hallelujah. Just came in a few minutes ago. I'm telling you, God's doing something. God's doing something. God's doing something. Hallelujah. What a great time to be a part of the truth church. <laughs> Revival didn't end just because the evangelist left. I appreciate everything Brother Savala did. But he'd be the first to tell you he didn't bring revival and he didn't take it with him when he left. He just helped to perfect the church and get us ready for what God wanted to do. And I'm thankful for it. Praise God. Amen. God bless you tonight.